You're listening to the First Baptist Rockdale Sunday Sermons Podcast. First Baptist Rockdale is a church dedicated to making disciples who make disciples. We hope you enjoy this week's message. Well, we are walking through the book of Ecclesiastes. We're doing it through the summer. The summer for our students ends this like week. Um, but we're going to have one more week. So it's this week and the next week, and then we'll be out of Ecclesiastes. So the, the summer of misery or the summer of Ecclesiastes or whatever it is uh, that we've been walking through together um, is going to come to a close uh, very, very, very shortly. I thank you all for, uh, for, for being here with us uh, this summer. Uh, when I started Ecclesiastes, I thought, man, there's some good stuff here, and there is. But, but I know sometimes it can be a little bit of a drag um, to hear about how everything that we see around us um, is vain. And today, one of the things that we're going to look at, what we're going to focus on, which is appropriate as school begins to return, is, is youth, right? The young people in the world today. And some of you think, well, you can check out because you have long since left youth behind, right? Many of you, you wake up, you look in the mirror, and youth is a afterthought, right? You look back at wedding photos and you think, oh my goodness, I was so young. And I do that. I, I was 19 when I got married. Um, I look back at my wedding photos, I'm like, man, I was young back then. I look at my 18-year-old who's off at college now, and I think, nope, he ain't ready for that at all, right? <laughs> right, but, but we're going to look at youth today. The, you know, the, the man who's uh, composing Ecclesiastes turns his eyes towards youth uh, and has a word for the young among us today, but also a word um, for those of us who are still here now. Uh, and so I want to read from Ecclesiastes. We're going to read uh, the end of chapter 11 and the first half of chapter 8 today, just to a- acclimate you to where we are. Ecclesiastes is in the Old Testament after Psalms and Proverbs. Uh, and here's what it says, Ecclesiastes chapter 11, starting in verse 9. It says, Rejoice, O young man, in your youth, and let your heart cheer you in the days of your youth. Walk in the ways of your heart in the sight of your eyes, But know that for all these things, God will bring you into judgment. Remove vexation from your heart and put away pain from your body, for youth and the dawn of life are vanity. Okay, so he starts off talking to the young men, and this could apply to the young women in the room as well. If you're a younger person here today, and you can define that any way you want, I'm not going to define it for you, okay? If you're a younger person here today, um, his word is this, enjoy your youth. You know, you only get to be young once. You only get to have that limitless, boundless energy once. Enjoy your youth. Take time to enjoy because you know what? There comes a season, and he's going to go through in detail what that season looks like, where you won't be able to enjoy your youth. And we fight against aging, right? As a culture, we fight aging very aggressively. Uh, we have, you know, special creams for ladies to put on every night when you go to bed, right? That's supposed to make you look younger. And, I mean, y'all are very youthful appearing, so I assume y'all are all using those products to great effect, right? Uh, right, but we have, we have such a creams for that. Uh, we have doctors, we have surgeons, right, whose whole job is to make you look younger, right? And you're just consistently fighting the aging process. My brother uh, lives in Frisco, which is kind of an affluent suburb of Dallas, and I say an affluent suburb, it's the sort of place where you pull up to a stoplight in your gigantic um, church bus that I drive, um, and you pull up in the, in the big brown van, and you look over, and you're like, hey, there's a $80,000 car, $100,000 car, $120,000, and those are the cars around you. It's just a weird world. Like, it's not real world, it's, but it is a specific. 
But you know what's on every single shopping center is someone doing some sort of plastic surgery, cool sculpting, you know, we'll, we'll give you Botox injections. It's everywhere, right? And we try to fight this aging process. And the truth is, no matter how hard you fight, no matter how hard you rage against it, you don't get another shot at your younger days, at your teens, at your 20s, at whatever age were your golden years, those years pass you by. Right, they get on the other side. And so the author looks at the young people and says, enjoy your youth. Enjoy the time that you have when you have, have energy and life and vitality. Enjoy that time. That time is a gift from God. He actually says to follow your heart, which is the exact opposite guidance that I give to people. Right? Because people are like, hey, follow your heart. And I'm like, no, don't follow your heart. Because the Bible says your heart is deceitful and wicked, right? right? Above all things, don't follow your heart. It's like in the sight of your eyes. And I'm like, don't follow your eyes. Your eyes lead you astray, right? Uh, if you go back to the very beginning of the Bible in Genesis, God sees things and says, that's good, that's good, that's good. Eve sees something. The very first time that a person is seen seeing something, she sees the fruit on the tree that God has said, don't eat. And she says, that's good. That looks good for eating. And she sees with her eyes... Right? And then sin comes into the world through her choice and Adam's choice in that moment. Right? And so our, our eyes are corrupted, our hearts are evil, and he actually says follow them, but recognize if you follow them too far, judgment will follow. There's consequences for the decisions that you make. Young people, I want you to enjoy your youth, but I also want you to recognize that the decisions you make now matter long term. I was reading a book, it was about... Um, trying to PG this up here. Uh, it was about purity, remaining pure in thought as a young man, right? About remaining pure in thought as a young man in a world um, that tries to have men not be pure in thought. Um, and so the book was about that, and it, and it exposed something that I've thought about a lot. It says young people have this myth in their minds, and you need to listen here, that, 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 that there's a division at some point in your life of what you were Right? And, and all the decisions that you made, and none of those decisions before whatever that point are matter. And so you can um, do anything you want as a child or in college. You see this a lot. Kids go off to college, and they just make crazy, terrible decisions. And their thought is, well, when I graduate, then I'm going to become an adult, and then I'll make mature decisions going forward. And they have this, as the guy in the book describes it, a bifurcated view, a world that is totally divided into two separate halves, and nothing over here affects what goes forward over here. And that's absolutely untrue. The decisions you make as a 10-year-old can affect your life going forward forever. I know this because I've seen decisions made to 10-year-olds that have affected their lives forever. Right? What you do, how you choose to enjoy your youth, will affect the sort of person that you become. So if you want to be a person with integrity, if you have goals in your life of what you want to be, the person you are as a child, even as you enjoy what God has gifted you, needs to point you in that direction. Right? You don't just become something on some magic birthday, whether it's the 18th birthday or the 16th birthday or the 22nd birthday or your 30th birthday. Right? I've hit all of those birthdays, and I never woke up different than the night before. Right, the only time I woke up different was whenever I was 15 and I didn't know Jesus, and then I was 15 and I did know Jesus. Something happened on that day. But the rest of my life has just been a slog towards what I have been doing. And so enjoy your youth. Take time to enjoy, but recognize there is judgment that will come based on what you do. 
So choose to enjoy the things that God would have you to enjoy. Choose to look and to, and, and to meditate on things that God would have you look and meditate on. Let your heart's affection and your mind's devotion be towards the things that God loves. And you'll become the person that, that, that God has intended you to be. Enjoy your youth. If you're older here today and you're like, man, my youth is spent. I want you to know, like, you may not have the energy that you had five years ago or 12 years ago, or 25 years ago, or 55 years ago for some of you. You may not have that energy, but if you're here today, you still have like a vestige of youth in you. That is the life that God has still given to you. So enjoy the pieces that God has given to you. Well, it may be dimmer today. Well, there may be less of it today. Well, it may be harder to find in those moments Find enjoyment. You know, God desires you to have some enjoyment in your life, especially as you seek to enjoy Him. Verse tw or chapter 12 begins, and he says, Remember also your Creator in the days of your youth, before the evil days come and the years draw near, of which you will say, I have no pleasure in them. This is a downer in some ways, because that means there are years to come. And you'll say, I have no pleasure in them. Those years, and we've seen these people, right? They get to the end of their lives, and they're, they're they're spent. And for some reason that I don't always discern, right? They they might be given another five years beyond the time when they found enjoyment in any part of their life, and they wake up in in serious pain every day, where they wake up in in a, in a state in their head um, that is just not not healthy. All right, and those days can come. For us, but as, we're, as we see those days in the future, it should point us to look back and enjoy the days in the present, and then also to remember our Creator in the days of our youth. This is the key of this whole passage, by the way. Right? And this whole passage, instead of being scared of the future, which is going to come, right? When your metabolism slows down and your desires begin to fail and your body begins to betray you, as you see that ahead, you can live in fear fighting against it, raging against it. I'm going to do this and this and this and this and this, right? And then I'm going to have, uh, I mentioned a, a little while ago, you know, there's, there's a very wealthy man who truly believes that he can live forever, right? That at some point the, the, the dragon of death will be slayed on earth and man will live forever. He's got it backwards, right? The dragon of death was slayed on the cross of Jesus Christ when death took Jesus, and Jesus went down to death's domain and said, nope, not anymore, and he got up from the grave and walked away. The dragon of death will be slain. It's been slain through Jesus Christ. But this man believes that he will live forever, and if not him, then his kids or his kids' kids will be able to live forever. And he has this picture of forever out there, and he's forgotten what all of this is. He's forgotten his creator. He's forgotten that he's a part of a story that God is drawing out for all time. And you are just a piece of that story. I mean, you're an important piece. In fact, I dare say in your life, you are the most important piece in that story. right? Because it's your piece of that story. In the grand scheme of things, it may not amount to much, but, you, but it matters to you. And you know what? It matters to God how you handle the years that he's given you. So you need to remember God and seek God, especially when you're young. You know, it's real easy to seek God when you're young. You know, uh, there's statistics out there. I'm going to make some statistics up, so just live with me for a little while, okay? Knowing these are totally 
they're not totally made up, but they're, 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 uh, they're fudged, okay, a little bit. Roughly 95% of the people who come to know Jesus Christ from studies that we've seen do so before they're 50 years old. Roughly 95% of the people who are ever going to meet Jesus and accept Jesus and enter into a relationship um, with God the Father through Jesus Christ do so before they're 50 years old. Well over half of the people who do that before they're 50 years old do so like before they're 15 years old. There's something about in your youth where seeking God is easier. It's one of the reasons that we invest in youth at our church. Because we recognize that there is not, like the window as life grows longer becomes shorter for people or becomes narrower for people to find a way to follow Jesus Christ. It happens. Right? There, are, there are 70-year-old men who will come to churches and who will find Jesus Christ. We'll be in a relationship with someone around a coffee table somewhere, and they're going to find Jesus Christ. It happens, but it's an outlier, right? It's, it's the edge of that. The vast majority in your lives, most of you in here, I would say 95% of you in here, found Jesus before you were 50 years old, right? Or Jesus found you before you were 50 years old. It's just the way that God works. And so we need to seek God in our youth, which means as a church, we need to prioritize that. We need to prioritize children. Why do we do feed Rockdale? Why do we feed these children um, from these poor families around Rockdale, Texas? Why would we do that every summer spending, I don't know, several thousand dollars a summer and I don't, countless hours of manpower doing it? It's because it gets us a relationship with children. Right? It gets a relationship with young people where we, where we have an opportunity to begin to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with them because they're more likely to respond. Why do we invest in a youth ministry? Why do we, why, why do we, why do we you know, use Wednesday nights next door and dedicate that building and that room over there um, to what, if you walk in at times, can look like absolute chaos? Why do we have uh, children's programs on Wednesday nights that, uh, that point to musicals where kids throw up on the stage? Ooh, still a little bit. Yeah, on the stage uh, for their Christmas. Why do we do that? Why would we, why would we spend the time and the effort. Why do volunteers give up every Wednesday for nine months to do that? It's because young people can respond to the gospel of Jesus Christ so much easier than the aged. And so we as a church need to seek young people so they can seek God in their youth. Right? The Creator is seeking to find them. Right? And so we need to make it as easy as possible. And that's our job. Right? To seek and to make it as easy as possible for those people to be found by Jesus, right? For Jesus and them to meet along the path. And the younger we do that, the better we do it. Why do we do vacation Bible school? Same reason. You look at our mission, well, why don't we take senior adult trips to Branson? By the way, we might now, just saying, because I have a reason to go to Branson, right? <laughs> but why don't we take senior adult trips to Branson every six months? You know, there are churches that do it. We checked into a hotel in Branson. There was like 20 cars in the parking lot from Texas. They were from some cowboy church here in Texas doing Yeehaw, Western Branson stuff there, okay, um, as a church. Why is that not a high priority for our church? It's not that I don't love our older people. I do, um, by the way. I hope, if you're, if you're older here in this church, I hope you know that I love you. I care about you. I want you to know Jesus better. I want to be there for you and with you as you struggle through all of the things that life throws at you as you get older. Right? That, that's part of what, what, what drives me to love my, my people. But... Like, I, I don't, uh, we're not going to spend tons and tons and tons of money trying to evangelize your friends. It's not that your friends can't find Jesus. It's just it's harder for them to find Jesus. 
And so there's a better return for the investment in other places. That sounds pretty, pretty sloppy, I understand. But it's true. We have fixed resources, we have finite time, we have a, we have a limited thing. So we focus on the areas where we can be most fruitful for God and his kingdom. And, spoiler alert, there's a lot of souls that are better off because of that. Because we, for 30 years at least, have been doing that. Emphasizing children, youth, finding a way to reach people. Help people to seek the creator in the days of youth. Because guys, if you don't seek him in your youth, it's tough to do it. And when you get to the days where you say, I have no pleasure in them, as Ecclesiastes 2, 1, or 12, 1 says, when you get to those days and you're embittered and life is no good, hearing about Jesus is, is, is hard to hear. So let's find them while they're young. Let's find them. Okay, then, then he gives a description of aging. And I hope y'all uh, don't get too depressed here. This is a description of what the aging process looks like. I read a couple of commentaries. They said this is an allegory. Each, each thing is part of the human body breaking um, as it goes through. It may be, um, but I'm just going to read it, and you can just see this is basically life as it goes forward as you get older. Verse 2, it says, Before the sun and the light and the moon and the stars are darkened, and the clouds return after the rain, in the day that the keepers of the house tremble, and the strong men are bent, and the grinders cease because they're few, and those who look uh, through the windows are dimmed, and the doors of the street are shut when the sound of the grinding is low, and one rises up at the sound of a bird, and all the daughters of a song are brought low. They are afraid also of what is high, and terrors are in the way. The almond tree blossoms, the grasshopper drags itself along, and desire fails because man is going to his eternal home, and the mourners go about the streets. Before the silver cord is snapped or the golden bowl is broken, or the pitcher is shattered in the fountain, or the wheel broken at the cistern. If, and the dust returns to the earth as it was, and the spirit returns to the God, or to God who gave it. Vanity of vanities, says the preacher, all is vanity. Guys, uh, so, so the picture here, like the grinders, is supposed to be your teeth, and you know, strong men's, like your body as it breaks down. The truth is, though, as you get older, everything begins to get a little bit harder, darker, dimmer. Just, it, it is the, the condition of fallen man. And he draws it out in a fairly detailed, like, man, life, and it just gets worse and worse, and then there's mourners walking around, and now you're the dust of the earth returning back to the dust, and the spirit is returning back to the God who gave, and you're like, man, that is depressing. But that's the natural end of mankind. It's where our story ends. Aging comes for us all. If we live long enough, we get to experience this, right? If we live long enough, we get to experience some of this. And, and it doesn't sound like a blessing, or it doesn't, and it's not, to be honest with you. It's part of the curse that we've experienced from the very beginning, that death entered into the world through our choice of sin. But as this aging process happens, and as it comes for us all, this should motivate us to whatever extent we have energy, whatever extent we have life, whatever extent we have vitality, to use that for God and his kingdom. Because this thing that we're on, this world that we're on, that we seem, seems like everything to us, is coming to a close for each and every one of us. And every day, it comes to the close for somebody. It's just the way the story rolls. 
And so as your day is coming, as your life is rolling around, as you begin to recognize the signs of aging and the dimming of your eyes and the looseness of your teeth and the weakness of your back and the whiteness of your hair, some of you have fought that very well, by the way, but as you begin to recognize all of these things, you need to recognize what you still have now. Oh, it is vanity of vanities to live to make this life live forever. There is a purpose for this day. You know, God has given you a purpose for this day, and that purpose all throughout Scripture is to love Him and to serve Him and to make Him known. In whatever capacity you can do that, to love Him, to serve Him, to make Him known. You love Him through personal devotion, in your Bible, in your prayers, loving Him. You serve Him through doing whatever you can to help accomplish His goals. For some of you, that means you can come up here and we can have activities, feed Rockdale or whatever, and you can be involved in that. You can help. We're about to start pushing nursery volunteers again. You can help in the nursery and you can help. Uh, maybe you can help teach an adult Sunday school class. You can help in some capacity. You can serve in that way. For some of you, you can't do that. You don't physically have the strength to do that. And so what can you do? You serve God through your prayers. One of the greatest blessings that a church can have is prayerful people. If you can't get up here, if you can't serve, if you can't volunteer at a mission organization down the road, then go to God in prayer. You have hours, 24 of them every day I've been told, hours to pray. We can find a lot of distractions. I can find a lot of distractions. But you have hours. Take some of that time. Pray for the purposes that God has. For this church, for this community, for His kingdom coming. Pray for those things. Pray for me. Right? I covet your prayers. It is not easy being your pastor. Right? It's not. Just, just so you know. Some of you are easier than others. Most of you are pretty hard. Right? It's hard. It's a hard job. Pray for me. Pray that I don't say stupid things from the pulpit. Right? That'd be helpful. Right? Pray for me. Pray for my family. Right? Pray that God would protect us. Pray for, pray for a ministry in this church. Choose a part of this church. The youth, the kids. Pray for a Sunday school class. Pray for a deacon. Pray for a leader. Pray for Doc. Right? Pray for Eric. Pray for somebody and say, I'm just going to choose to pray here. If that's all you can do, that is all you need to do. Get involved in that. Serve God. Whatever capacity you can. If you have, if you have a day in front of you, use that day for God's kingdoms, right? You love God, you serve God, right? And then you try to make him known. As much as you can, you tell people about it. You know, your, your grandkids, your great-grandkids, your, your children, right? Even as they've gotten older, maybe they're reaching the harder-to-reach ages of evangelism. If mama or grandma or, or, or grandpa comes and talks to them about what Jesus has done in their life, they'll listen. They may not care, it may not change them today, but they'll listen. If you're a father here today, tell your kids about Jesus. Right? It was kind of, kind of cool, right, with Gil up here. I don't know where Gil is. Probably laying underneath his pew right now. Oh, he went down the hall. Right? Gil's up here, right? And, and Gil is singing victory in Jesus. Gil's three, two. He's two years old. He sings victory in Jesus. That's, right, that's pretty advanced. Right? I didn't know victory in Jesus at two. Right? I knew Jesus loves me probably. Right? But, but why does Gil know victory in Jesus? I, I'm, I'm going to guess, and I do not know because I've never heard it, but I'm guessing he's heard that song sung at his house. It's probably not from the nursery down there, and it's probably not 
um, from a Sunday school class or even from just being in here on a Sunday morning. He's been discipled by people at home. Right? Invest in those future generations because it matters to them. So if you, if you don't have little ones in your house, invest in the ones God has given to you. Right? When you got that repairman over to fix the thing that's been broken forever, talk to them about Jesus. You're paying them, right? They'll, they'll politely listen, I promise. Right? As they fix whatever they've got to fix to get out of your house. Tell people about Jesus. Love him. Serve him. Make him known. That is your job because everything else ultimately turns out to be vanity of vanities. Living for this life, living to extend your youth, living for pleasures today, never truly satisfies. But Jesus satisfies. All that thrills my soul is Jesus. Right? It's a song. We don't sing it very often. Right? I went through the hymn book today with Ryan. I'm just kind of like, well, I don't know that one. If you ever go through the hymn book, you can see some songs in there. Like, we don't know that song. Right? But what a wonderful thing, right? That to say that all that thrills my soul is Jesus. The thing that thrills me most is Jesus and Jesus' kingdom. Because Jesus is worthy of being the one who gives us thrill. Today we're going to celebrate what Jesus did on the cross. You see before us, we're, we'll be taking the Lord's Supper. And the reason we take the Lord's Supper right, is to remember the sacrifice of Jesus, what he did on the cross how he died for us, and then how he commissions us to live for him in his kingdom. The world can look like vanity of vanities, living for the world. But when you live for Christ, his kingdom, his purposes, there is absolutely no higher calling for a person to be under.